Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Last Drinks Podcast, a new conversation about how to navigate an awesome life without alcohol, reframing the cultural norms around alcohol in our lives, and hosted by me, Maz Compton, sober since 2015. Libby Monkhouse is a really good friend of mine, although we have been out of touch for a few years. So you could think of this as you guys eavesdropping on our first chat in a little while. One of the last times we hung out was on a dance floor. We went to a boy band boot camp together. We've also holidayed in Paris, and I think once you've done that with somebody, you are friends for life. I only recently discovered that Libby is three and a bit years sober, so we're going to unpack her sobriety journey together and reflect on the good old times. Please enjoy Last Drinks with my beautiful friend, Libby. <laughs> oh, dear, they're in for a ride. <laughs> it's going to be a time. <laughs> my dear friend, Libby, this is what a, what a treat and a joy. I'm going to ask you to tell me about your last drink. Um, okay, so my last drink was about three and a half years ago now. Um, it was, I had a, I'm living in Adelaide now, so there's some fun news. I knew you were living in Adelaide okay. because I feel like you moved to Adelaide for a boy who you I told did. me about over a dinner where we shared ice cream with olive oil for dessert. <laughs> I can't believe you remember that, but yes. <laughs> All facts, all true. Yes, that is all facts. Um, and that dinner was in Sydney. So we were both in Sydney. Yeah. Um, and, yes, I ended up moving back with him and got married to him. And um, so yeah, we were drinking when we got together. And then um, I had a friend come over from Sydney and then we had a bit of a, wasn't even terribly wild night, but, you know, it was a night out on the town. And um, the next day I was like, incredibly hungover as I sort of got to that point of stopping drinking I was getting these really bad hangovers like two or three glasses of wine and just like nasty hangovers and my friend actually said to me oh gosh I'd actually just prefer you didn't drink and then we could at least hang out the next day oh wow um, and I was like oh <laughs> sorry <okay." laughs> Yeah, I was really like, oh, okay, I'll rally. We can go out. We can do stuff. Um, but then it was a week later, my husband Ben said to me, I think we should quit drinking for a month. And so I was like, well, I'm very competitive. I take that bet. And off we went for a month of no drinking. And here we are three and a half years later. I love this because it's similar to me in that when – I realized I wanted to stop drinking. I was like, I'll just do it for a month cuz saying <laughs> saying you're never drinking again and I don't know where you're at with the never nevers. I've never said I'm not ever drinking again, but I probably won't. But at the beginning I was like, 
I'm not going to say I'm not going to drink again because then that means that I'm going to be sober and I don't know how to reconcile that in my brain. So I'll just do a month off. Let's take a month off and see how I feel. And similarly, like it's been nearly eight years now that I haven't had a drink. So, okay, so your husband says to you, let's take a month off. So what's his motivation for taking the month off? Was it because you were a pain in the ass when you were hungover? (laughs) I don't think he would say it to my face. but (laughs) We all know our husband's lip. (laughs) Yeah, but I feel I do look back and I think, you know, I would go out and I'd come home really drunk and he'd be like, what the hell, like, didn't you just go out with your friends for dinner and so I think it was very much inspired by (laughs) my behavior and um just like you know not it wasn't good enough I guess like he wanted to change I love that instead of coming to you and saying hey babe you should take a month off alcohol (laughs) he's he's a smart man I see why you married him he was like I'll go on this journey with you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's true partnership. That's true co-regulation in relationship. Mm. I just love that he was like, okay, I'll do this bit with you. Like I will stop yeah. drinking. You can stop drinking. And then let's see what our marriage looks like and what we look like individually on the other side of that. So let's do it together. This is not your problem to fix. Let's yeah. go on the journey together. So what was that month without alcohol like? What did you guys do? I mean, we were never big drinkers at home, so there wasn't a, a culture at home to change. It was the cultures around me in different and other social groups and settings that it was like, okay, this is the challenge and this is where it has to change. Did you keep going to work events or did you did you tap out? No, initially I kept going because I was very determined. One, it was only going to be a month. And two, I was not going to be boring. (laughs) And I still stand by that to this day, although, you know, my bedtime now is probably more around nine o'clock, but I'm like, I'm not boring. (laughs) I'm like, I'm not boring just because I don't drink. And I feel very compelled to make that statement. I'll still get on a dance floor. I will still have fun. I just actually don't need alcohol to get on that dance floor. Once you have that revelation, it's, um, it's so it's so freeing and I've been on Mm. so many dance floors with you and you you can rock it but it's so liberating when you realize that you don't need to be half cut in order to Mm -hmm. enjoy social engagement with other people or expressing yourself through the form of dance or or whatever it is but you it's like you can't get that paradigm shift until you eliminate alcohol completely and then you're like oh my god like I didn't know this was on the table that I can be sober and fun and enjoy myself and then not feel like crap the next day. Mm -hmm. It's this golden ticket when you get it, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. And I remember listening to a couple of other um, like sober podcasts about people who'd done experiments at the time and thinking like, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't sound like, it doesn't sound that great. Like. but it actually is (laughs) but unless you do it you really don't know um how good it feels and honestly now I like look around and I think I just there's kind of a little bit of pride I'm like oh no I'm a little bit better (laughs) because I'm not 
you know, I'm not drunk and I, I just being able to remember conversations, like knowing, waking up the next morning and going, I, even maybe I did make a dick of myself, but I can remember that I did that and I don't need to call anyone and think, oh, did I make any, like, did I make any rude comments? Was I mean to anyone? Did something come out of my mouth that shouldn't have? Yeah. And you just wake up the next morning with no, oh, I think they call it anxiety these days. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, no, I never have to experience that again. <laughs> what a freeing way to live. One of the reasons that I became alcohol dependent is like no one told me otherwise. It's like we just, mm. we learn to engage socially with each other over drinks and then because it's so addictive and it's so poisonous, we just need more and more and our tolerance mm-hmm. goes up and then we need more and then, you know, shit happens in our lives because we get older and then we don't have the coping mechanisms in built mm-hmm. into our wellness toolkits. And so all of a sudden we're just these like crazy drunk people suppressing yeah. emotions, making terrible choices. And and then when you realise that you don't have to do any of those things, it's like, What? Did it, was there any sort of backlash or any sort of comments that pissed you off? <laughs> <laughs> so I think mostly people um, were just shocked, which I was like, okay, oh. I'm not, I'm like, I'm not that bad of a you know drinker. Like, come on, I can do this. I also found it really interesting how much it brought up in other people, like how much that confronted other people's decisions. Um, so that was really interesting. And then like my dear old dad, he's like, my dad's a laugh a minute and you definitely can't take anything he says seriously. <laughs> he was like, I said, oh no, dad, I'm, I'm not drinking this month. And he just went, well, you're no daughter of mine then, are you? <laughs> Thanks, dad. I was like, no worries, dad. <laughs> oh, which I do, I mean, I just found hilarious because that's very much my dad's sense of humour. And even now, like even not that long ago, probably six months ago, I was in a social situation and I was by myself with a bunch of people that I sort of didn't know very well. And, you know, drinks were getting passed around and I was like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm sober. And they're like, oh, I didn't know that. And like this constant questioning of what would make me drink. And I was like, well, I guarantee you I'm not like, I'm three years into this. I'm not giving up now. Like if I'm giving up, I'm going on a bender with my husband. <laughs> like we're going wild. <laughs> it's not going to be at this little party where I don't really know anyone of you. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because that does come up. It's like, well, what would you stop your sobriety for? And it's like when you realize how incredible it is and and the compound benefits, you wouldn't even ask that question. Yeah. But so when you were in the in that situation and people are saying like what would make you drink did you also get what what happened to make you stop (laughs) always absolutely always and the fact that it started as this bet this 30-day bet I think people find more challenging because they think it's going to be this big story about you know you know, either a family trauma or my problem with alcohol. And just when I go, oh, no, it was a bet between my husband and I, and I sometimes just say, oh, it's still going. Like, we're just both really competitive. And <laughs> and they it just leaves them dumbfounded a lot of the time. A lot of the time they just go, oh, okay. And I'm like, yeah, that's it. That's all it was. It wasn't this deep and meaningful. That sort of stuff came after. That sort of stuff came later in the journey, like, 
that soul searching, that discovering actually your relationship wasn't that healthy with alcohol, that came much later in mm-hmm. the journey. Initially, it was just like, no, nope, this is easy. We can do this. I love that. Yeah, because there is this association in society where there has to be a rock bottom carpet being ripped from under your feet, world falling apart moment where you're so down in the bottom of the barrel that you had to quit drinking. Yeah. Yes. Please don't wait to get there. No, no. Not worth it. (laughs) In some way, you know, it doesn't have to be like leaving Las Vegas. It doesn't have to be catastrophic. It doesn't have to be almost at the end of your rope type stuff. It can be as simple as this isn't working for me. And the best way to explore what that might look like is to do exactly what you guys did Mm. and take a break. And then if you can take a break and then come back and moderate, great if that works for you because it is your relationship with alcohol it's not for anyone else to define so three years in what's been like one of the paradigm shifts that you've been surprised at I think it's made our relationship so much healthier um we you know we have to I mean not that we didn't communicate before but we really do communicate better now there is like there's none of that highs and lows and dramas of nights out and um, you said this when you were drunk or you did this when you were drunk and I think even in your like there's a increased level of trust in the relationship as well Um, like you know I, I literally know when he goes out with his mates or whatever he's doing I'm like he's not drinking he's not being silly he's not getting caught up in anything like there's just that sense of peace that you're like, hmm, this is great. That's so <laughs> and, nice. You know, you know that if you were got into trouble, you could call him and he'd be there and it would all be fine because he's not drunk. I also say I'm not never drinking again, but I just can't imagine drinking again because it is cumulative, like you said, and every day you wake up just like a little bit healthier, a little bit better, a little bit more energy. And I just could not imagine having that taken away from me at all. And someone else said that to me quite early on in the journey, like, oh, it, it, you know, builds on itself and it gets better and better. And I was like, yeah, maybe. Okay. But <laughs> Rolls eyes. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Like, I don't Why know. <laughs> I believe it. Maybe. <laughs> but it really actually does. And again, like, mm. I just remember thinking, okay, you're a dick, whatever. It gets better, sure, but it, it does, actually though. does. <laughs> you said it at the start. You said something about um, like drawing on your wellness toolkits or something like that. And I thought straight away when you said that, like, yeah, I actually don't have to draw on those tools like as much when I'm sober. Well, I actually don't need the the help the self care as much because yeah. I'm I'm sober. Like, yes, I still have days where I'm really anxious and feel horrible and just want to like have one the other day. I wanted to just sit on the couch with a blanket and not talk to anyone and just every, the whole world, leave me alone. And, but like they still happen, but I'm not numbing them with alcohol. And then I'm not dealing with the next day hungover and still having all those feelings. And now I've got hangover happening. So I find, 
I definitely find you're more balanced. Yeah, balance is a, a great word. As a human? <laughs> it's like it's like a leveler. Like you're just yeah. it's not plateauing because I think no. plateauing is like I'm not progressing, I'm not regressing, I'm just meh. Mm. But it, you're moving forward with momentum, but you're in this like balanced, like 11, 11 mm-hmm. balanced state. Yeah. Yeah. You're just always, I don't know if there's a sense of peace and calm there that was not there when I was drinking at all. I took my niece to the football the other week um, for the first time. She'd never been to a game before and I don't drink and she's always been around me. Well, not always been around me, but the last few years, anytime she's been around me and Ben, there's no alcohol around. And, um, she knows that we don't drink she's aware of that but the comment she made at the football was like as we were walking through the stadium was like oh so weird so many people are getting like beer why do you why do they even get beer and I was like it's so nice that you recognize that I don't get beer yeah and and what is so like key to that is that sobriety is normal for her yes having an issue with alcohol is the non-normal behavior mm-hmm. which is the reverse of how I grew up which was if you don't drink you're the weirdo which is still I gotta say you know it's still out there definitely but this sober <laughs> you living you not hear my story <laughs> yeah. about my dad <laughs> yeah exactly exactly it's still there it exists but I it is shifting the tides are changing it's so ingrained in our culture, mm. in the way we exist together, in the way we have relationship, in the way we Eurovacay together, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just, <laughs> it's like that's where we need to normalize it. And there's just like all of those situations that you'd sort of talk about, like you really do start to question why, like, why do we need alcohol at a child's christening? Like, <laughs> it's a good question I don't know you really start to question why you need alcohol in these certain situations why it's so ingrained in our culture why can we not just sit and have a nice meal together and enjoy each other's company why do we need something that numbs us that you know, makes us forget what we're talking about or even sometimes who we're talking to. <laughs> um, <laughs> For example, but, a hypothetical example. Yeah, just, you know, I don't know if yeah, if that's ever happened to anyone you know, so never me. <laughs> but, yeah, you just really start to question, like, why do we need alcohol at these events? Why do we need alcohol to fuel connection? Because mm. it always seems to be in these social settings and it always seems to be a lot it never I love I love when people say oh yeah I only have like one or two and I'm like you know that's bullshit (laughs) I was like I used to say that a lot too that I meant one or two bottles Bottles. (laughs) (laughs) that's it that's exactly and that's actually that was that's one of the sort of red flags that I identified with when I was sort of assessing my relationship with alcohol and figuring out like Am I an alcoholic or what what's mm. not what am I doing that's not behavior of and I remember th- thinking oh whenever whenever anyone asks me like so how how was your weekend Did you have a big one and I'm like oh I had a couple of champagnes and I knew full well I had a bottle before I even went 
out. Like, and I was <laughs> underselling and I was minimizing because I was ashamed of the number, the, mm. the number that I probably had really forgotten the actual number because you oh. just end up in blackout mode. And I remember thinking, I'm like, I think it was my mum said to me when I was a teenager because I'd lied to one of my friends about something, kissing a boy. I don't know, probably <laughs> knowing me. But she, I remember she, she said to me, she's like, if you if you have to lie about something, then you know that you're doing mm. the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that has stuck with me. Mm. And that has kept me very accountable to the lies that I've told. Yeah. And when it came to alcohol, I was telling porky pies left, right and centre. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that was that thing that I was like, I'm lying about this. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm just not saying the real number. That's a lie. And yeah, then yeah. if I'm lying about this, it's because I know I shouldn't be doing this. But there's so much shame that I'm carrying because that must mean I've got a problem. Like, and then that mm-hmm. that's how the relate the alcohol assessment came in to me, to my yeah, my yeah. psyche was from it was from the lies really yeah and then working out okay well then that means this and that means that and that means maybe I should have some time off you know mm-hmm. that plus that mm-hmm. equals let's have some time away from alcohol yeah. but it's so interesting because I agree and I, I don't have the answer but when you say why do we need alcohol I know and you know that we don't need it mm. but that is the word that we use and yeah. it's because yeah. it's not a need. It's not a fundamental mm-hmm. need. If if they banned alcohol tomorrow, more people would stay alive on the planet mm-hmm. because it's responsible mm-hmm. for more deaths than mm-hmm. all of the recreational drugs combined. Like it's, yeah. it is such a poison and it's so catastrophic in our society and it causes so much damage. There's no benefits and there's no positives. So if they were like, okay, alcohol's off the table, no one can have it anymore. No one's going to die. More people are surviving. (laughs) So you're going to live. So it doesn't, it's not, whereas if they said, hey, you know, like, sorry, there's no water left Mm -hmm. on the planet. So you can't have fresh drinking water. Like we would all perish. Like we, so it's not a need at all. But, but we have been, it's so ingrained in our society, especially for our age group, that Mm -hmm. we need it to engage. Yeah. Socially yeah. or not feel feelings because we don't mm-hmm. have adequate tools to cope with or deal with what we're going through and, and what we're yeah. experiencing and feeling. So you don't need it. And that's why Libby could go for a month without alcohol and she didn't die. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? Amazing. And and your husband, he's he's still with us. Like, we, yeah. you know, and three years down the track, you guys are thriving and you have this, like, beautiful mm-hmm. relationship that I'm sure was beautiful before but is, like, the best version oh. of what it is it's, now. Yeah. We, we when um, you and I started talking about doing this podcast, I said to um, Ben, I was like, what do you think would have happened if you quit and I didn't quit and I kept drinking? And he was like, oh, I don't think we would have survived. We wouldn't be together. <laughs> Wow. I was like, oh, okay. I mean, I'm sure there's lots of sober people out there whose partners are not sober, but I think for us, we both actually needed to give up. Um, so I think it was a journey we had to go on together. But And it's like, 
if I had, if, I think if the roles were reversed and I had quit and he had continued, I don't think we would have survived it either. Wow. We were both a bit messy, drunks maybe. <laughs> Your last drink enabled you to have a successful marriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's huge. What a gift. <laughs> what a gift. Yeah, yeah. A gift you didn't realise you were giving yourself. Absolutely. did not realise that. Thought it was 30 days and I just couldn't, I can't imagine it in our marriage. I can't imagine it in our home. I can't imagine someone going out for a night out and getting drunk and coming home at two in the morning. And The other thing that I really love is talking to people about sobriety is everyone comes to it from a different place in a different yeah. way in the it's like you know we all have fingerprints and they're unique to us I feel like everyone's sobriety journey is unique to them there yeah. are some commonalities and then we get to talk about how our lives are just freaking awesome now because yes. we decided to do that but everyone's personal story of why they drank in the first place what led them to give up how difficult or easy that mm-hmm. has been is like their fingerprint and I want to share as many of those stories as possible to normalize it. Yeah, I reckon those first few weeks are hard because the expect you you're changing your behavior which challenges other people and it's not like that's I think something you have to realize it's actually not about you when they're going oh come on no just come for one no 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 you're always the life of the party like that's actually not about you. They're mm. wrapping it up like it is, but it's, yeah. it's actually about them. They want a drinking buddy. They don't want the dynamic to shift. They don't want to look at their behavior. And so I think when you can step into that space of actually, no, I'm making that decision and I'm empowering myself, it really frees you from a lot of that discourse that's happening around you. And you're like, no, nah, I'm good. I've got this. Yeah, there's a shift where you step into the power of your choice and yeah. stop apologizing for it. Yeah. But it takes a while. It's like you've got to get the hang of it. And then when you get yeah. the hang of it, you're like, oh, this is like, it's just a straight no. And then the, yeah. an end, end of discussion. Yeah. You know, let's yeah. talk about, I don't know, something interesting, like anything. Like why was Maz wearing a purple wig when you were in Paris? I don't know. It was just <laughs> a phase I went through. But that was like a good few days. You were committed. We, yeah, I don't know what that was. Like, we, so just, I mean, Livs and I, we kind of accidentally ended up in Paris on this holiday together. Yeah. And it's like when I went to Paris, I just became this different person. And I had this purple wig and I would just rock this bright, it looked ridiculous. Why did you let me do that? And that, so know. all of our photos of Paris, like me in this weird purple wig, or us yeah. drinking Heineken's in the gardens of Versailles. Like what? Who? <laughs> but if we didn't have that, we wouldn't have this, babe. So I'm exactly. I'm glad we exactly. had those days. <laughs> this is the best way to reconnect with you because it has been a few years, and I think I think we've both grown up. <laughs> I know. But like absolutely, we've grown in the same direction. It's so nice. Thanks for listening to Last Drinks Podcast. If you love this podcast, then subscribe. For more inspiration and to reach out, you can follow us on Instagram at Last Drinks Pod. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 